Welcome everybody to Quiver Financial News. Today we wanted to cover annuities and what we're going to talk about is a little bit of the good, a little bit of the bad and things you should be watching out for because of a lot of the pushes that are going to be happening. We're focusing on annuities right now because if you haven't already, you're going to start to see some emails, some marketing material that is really going to start to shine during the volatility of the markets and the rising interest rates. Um, this instrument is going to start to look a little bit more attractive as rates start to rise. So we wanted to draw your attention to this topic so that you can kind of see some of the things you should be watching out for, some of the tricks that are used to entice you. Um, I'm joined today with Colby McFadden, the CEO of Quiver Financial and a man that has sold quite a few annuities over his tenure. So welcome, Colby. Yeah, thank you, sir. Thank you. I appreciate being here, of course. Good. Um, it's always good to pick your brain on these type of topics. <clears throat> but firstly, let's talk about the definition of an annuity. So an sure, annuity is just sure. a contract between you and an insurance company in which you make a lump sum payment and get a series of payments in return. You receive regular distributions beginning either immediately or at some point in the future. So what does this really mean for an investor? It's a great question. So. Um... I'm going to back up to go forwards because, um, you know, like a, a, in your intro, you mentioned that people are going to hear a lot about of annuities. And part of that is because of market volatility. And in, I've, in the 25-year career that I've had, what I've seen in this world of annuities is that in the late 90s, nobody was interested in an annuity. They all wanted to own mutual funds. And as you get into 2000, Everybody wanted technology, right? When the market crashed in 2000, 2002, and the NASDAQ lost 70% of its value, in 2003, four, five, everybody wanted an annuity. They, they, they wanted the safety because, you know, the recency biasness of, hey, I lost money and I, my friends lost money in the stock market made people gravitate to the safety of, of the annuity. Um, and then we just went through another cycle where, most people were interested in annuity. They were interested in growth, you know, in technology again. And now you go through another market cycle. So it, knowing what an annuity really matters and back to your question on, you know, it's a contract between you and an insurance company. It's essentially a glorified savings account. It's, 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 you got to think of it as the insurance company is playing the role of the bank. And, and in the world of investing, you can have very conservative investments like bank accounts and fixed or index annuities. And then you can have other investments that would be considered risk. And there's a whole scale of that from low risk to high risk that goes from treasury bonds all the way to stocks and options and things like that. So an annuity is just one of these investment components, one of those tools, and it's essentially an agreement between you and an insurance company, just like a bank account is an agreement between you and the bank. Um, it's an agreement between you and the insurance company that you're parking your money at that insurance company. And they in turn are making promises of what they will pay you for an interest rate. And that, that can be designed in a lot of different ways. It can be a fixed rate that you know you're gonna get. It can be based on the performance of an index so there's a structure component to the annuity. Um, but at the end of the day, it's a contract where 
you as the investor putting the money in have the rule of law behind you. And in America, that's really important. And so this is uh, you know, a formal contract between you and that company that they will do certain things for you if you park your money there. Um, and just very similar to like a pension contract or something like that. Well, and, and I think it's point, you know, important to stress, like you said, that it can be structured in many different ways. And that's where the confusion kind of comes into and where people that sell these can really kind of manipulate the advantages and disadvantages and hide some aspects of it because it can be structured in so many different ways. And some things can have this benefit and some things can have that benefit, but no two products you know, are the same, but kind of still lock you into the same type of contract. Yeah, it's important to know that there's many different annuity companies, and then there's many different annuity products, and they all will have different moving parts. 80% of them are very similar. Like, like in most cases, there's very similar features and benefits. Um, but uh, you still, as a consumer, need to be aware that it's a it's a multifaceted market. Right. And let's talk about one of those features. Let's talk about what's mostly pumped out there right now. And especially with the rising interest rates, it's going to be that advantageous rate that they're offering, that five, six, seven percent rate that they're either guaranteeing you or saying that your annuity can get. You know, some of it's called the renewal rate, you know, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. Let's dig into that a little bit deeper. What what are things that investors should be watching out for when they see those type of rates come across their screen? Well, so it, it's been a long time since we've seen product focused around yield because interest rates have been so low. Um, and so I'm going to assume that the insurance and the annuity companies are going to go back to the same playbook that they did back in the 90s and early 2000s when rates were higher, which is they'll probably do um, a teaser rate where, you know, the first year you get a, a higher rate and then it tapers down or de you know, decreases in year two, three, four, or five. Um, maybe they'll do a premium bonus where when you put money in, not only are you getting the regular rate, but maybe you get a bonus on the deposit that you put in. Um, so those would be the two things that I would expect the insurance and annuity world to kind of bring in as as things to attract flies to the honey. Yeah. And and we've seen that on a few of them, you know, you'll you'll see a 5-year rate, you know, 7-year rate type of thing and that's kind of that teaser rate you're talking about. How does the premium bonus work? What what does that do for investors and why does that use so much to entice them? <laughs> so it, it's it's so a couple of different ways. Um so for 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 people who may not be happy with a, a previous annuity and they have a, a fee or a surrender charge to exit, some people would say, well, um, a premium bonus can help in that transition. I'll explain what that means is that let's say at the bottom line, what a premium bonus is, is let's say you have $100,000 and you put it that $100,000 into the annuity. The premium bonus is going to be where the company says, hey, thanks, we're going to give you an extra 5% right up front. So you put your 100000 in and your next statement, you see that you have $105,000 working for you. Um, and so you think, wow, great, free money. Woo, not necessarily, right? And this is where the structure of things come through. 
And in the structure of things, you then have to look at because most of the time, not all the time, but about 80% of the time, the bonus that they give you, there's going to be a charge on the back end, meaning that if you close the account within a handful of years, and they will charge you back that bonus they gave you or a portion of that bonus. A lot of times, the longer you're in the product each year that you're in the annuity, a little more of that bonus is vested or is yours to keep. Um, but the risk that you run is if you don't like the product in the future and or you're not happy with it and you want to leave, you'll have what is called a surrender charge, which I know we'll get into in a second. But then if you did get a premium bonus, maybe they charge you back some of that money that they gave you up front. And so back to what I was saying earlier is some people would say, hey, if you're not happy with an annuity you bought five or six or seven years ago and you have a little bit of a sales or surrender charge to exit it, well, maybe going to an annuity that has a bonus or a credit can kind of offset some of that change that happens. Now, there's all kinds of regulations and rules about switching annuities. Like, like the, the regulators are, are, are on this because in the past, there's been a lot of sales agents that were just switching annuities, using the bonus to buy another annuity and, and, not, and there was no real benefit to the client. Yeah. So as a consumer, if you're sitting across the desk from somebody who's recommending an annuity and it's recommending you to replace it with another annuity and it has a bonus, you do as a consumer have to ask more questions like why, you know, how is that truly benefiting me? Yeah. Um, and so it's very key in every point of sale situation to be always asking, do I need that bonus? Um, if you're changing one product to another, why, what are the benefits that I'm getting from it? Uh, and that, that, that's the, the questions people should be asking. Well, I want to get into people that have an annuity right now, but I kind of want to backpedal a little bit and, and talk about mm -hmm. that surrender charge. And we will dig into a little bit more about the fees with annuities, but there is a feature that clients can take advantage of to negate that surrender charge. What is that? Well, you, you can stay within the rules of the contract. Uh, meaning that that if you need liquidity or if you need to take money out of the contract, most of these annuities will allow you to take 10% out each year. Um, and so if you stay within those rules, you withdraw just what's within the rules, which is 10% a year typically, um, then you, not, you will not incur a surrender charge. The other way you don't incur a surrender charge is you hold the annuity until the surrender period tapers off because surrender charges at the end of the day are a fee for you closing the account prematurely in the views of the annuity company. And, and that, and most surrender charges are going to be usually 10 years long. Some, you know, anywhere from five to 10 years there, there again, the variance of all this structure of these things and why a consumer needs to ask a lot of questions and shop around is because some annuities might have a five-year surrender, which means the first five years you own it, if you take more than 10%, they're going to ding you a early withdrawal fee. If your surrender charge is seven years long, then you're going to have that situation for seven years. If your surrender charge is 10 years long, then you're going to have 10 years of restrictions of how much money you can withdraw without a fee. And now with that seven to 10 year window that you're talking about, you know, back for the longest time, like you said, since 2008, annuities really haven't been attractive because of the interest rate aspect. They're just a glorified 10-year bond. Well, the 10-year for 
how long has been one, one and a half percent. So people that do have a seven, you know, they got suckered into annuity and they've had it for five, seven, 10 years. You know, what do you recommend that they do right now? Well, th this is where you got to really do think things through. So first is if you bought an annuity seven years ago, you first have to stop and say, why did I buy it? Right. It's like if you bought it because it is built within your plan, like like you can use annuities within a plan that makes a lot of sense. Um, so if you bought the annuity seven years ago and it was implemented, implemented in your income ladder, like you, you were saying, hey, in seven years, eight years, nine years, I know I'm going to need a certain increase in income. And that's why you bought that annuity, because in seven or eight years, you wanted to turn the income on that thing and feel like you had a new, another pension to your retirement. So if you were that thoughtful, if you were really that thoughtful, or if you were working with people that were that thoughtful, that, that built it into your plan, then the answer to your question, Patrick, is stick with the plan, right? You know, if that's part of the plan, then stick with the plan and maybe just evaluate the vehicles within your plan. Like, like, like if you've owned an annuity for seven or eight years, okay, this is a good time to look at it and compare what you're earning to what the new products are coming out there. Because now that interest rates have risen, maybe there is a better product. I, I You don't know until you do the homework and you got to do that side-by-side -side comparison. Um, if you're somebody who bought an annuity seven years ago and you were like, I don't, and, and you, and I, and you, and the question comes to you, why did you buy? What, what was the purpose of it? And your answer is, I don't know, bro. I, I, some dude showed up at my house. He looked, you know, he was pretty sharp dressed, drove a nice car, had a nice watch. He told me this thing was a good thing. Right. And I bought it. If that's your answer, well, then you know, we need to sit down and look at the whole plan because obviously you haven't been doing your finances with a plan. <laughs> so, so one thing you have to understand that, that with annuities, the reason they're a glorified savings account, or they're basically the 10 year bond, like you were saying, uh, Patrick, um, with a little bit of a premium to it is because when they build the annuities to, to, to ensure the guarantees, to make sure it's there for you, they back the product they underline and back the product with treasury bonds. And when interest rates rise, that basket of treasury bonds. So think about this. If, if that insurance company bought a basket of treasury bonds when interest rates were much lower and interest rates have risen, then that basket of treasury bonds could be underwater. It could have a loss. And so the in the back end of a contract, this is where the fine print matters. A lot of annuities will have what are called MVAs, Mary Violet Apple, okay? Market value adjustment is what it's called. So these MVAs are the insurance company's kind of insurance that if the basket of treasuries they use to back the annuity, if they lose because of rising interest rates, the loss they pass on to you as the annuity holder. So if you were to close your account, you might get hit the surrender charge plus a negative market value adjustment that you weren't aware of when you bought it. So it's really important right now that if you're going to change the annuity that you got to look at all these things. Now, when interest rates are falling, so if you bought an annuity and interest rates have gone down from the time that you bought it, 
then the market value J, uh, then the market value adjustment may actually be helpful, maybe a positive thing. But that's kind of hard to believe right now with the way the mar market has risen up. So realize that even though an annuity has safety and fixed features, you there are some companies will have a back door, not all of them, but many of them will have a back door that if interest rates change too much um, and you decide you don't like the annuity you're in, you, you may get a bigger exit fee than, than you originally thought. And, and that's, that's a great segue into kind of the historical and projected performance of these things, because, you know, if the insurance company is you're partnering with an insurance company, obviously they're not going to lose money. And if the 10 year treasury during that time period was one and a half right now, we're sitting at what, three, eight, roughly give or take 3.8%. How are these annuities able to pay you five, six, 7%? on an annuity when the 10-year treasury is only you know paying a 3.8 how, how is that affecting or how are you know they're marketing that way that you're getting a five six seven percent return on your investment in this annuity yeah it, that's where you have to look at the fine print because there's usually going to be a, a a rate on your accumulation or cash value okay um and that might, and that's what you, that's like what your money is really earning. And that might be different than a guaranteed rate that the insurance company advertises. Because sometimes they might advertise a guaranteed rate on what's called an income benefit rider, which is different than what your cash is earning. And most of the time they do that, that income benefit rider will have an advertised guarantee rate, most of the time much higher than what your cash or accumulation, what, what, what your true earnings are. And um, so that's where, again, as a consumer, you got to dig in there. And if, if the rate seems higher than what you're seeing other places, there's probably a reason and you got to ask more questions. Like There's no free lunch here. Um, and, and, and when it comes to the interest rate world, oh, I mean, if you look, just think of how banks operate. Um, Right now, if you shop around, almost every bank, whether it's Wells Fargo, Chase, Bank of America, the credit union, whatever it is that may be, if they're advertising a CD or if they're advertising a money market rate, most of the yields or rates they're all advertising are pretty close. They might be within a tenth of a percent of each other. Yeah. Um, the annuity world works the same. You know, the, the insurance companies, Allianz knows they're in competition with Great American or whoever, MetLife or whoever it may be. So most of these companies are looking at what their colleagues are doing and pricing their products competitively to them or better than them within a very fine, small margin. And, you know, it's a competitive landscape. And I, I want to go back to that income rider because, I mean, that we have a PowerPoint that I always show clients, you know, the first 10 years of your, you know, income rider, it's your own money coming back to you, which it just, it, you know, so it really takes you like 20 years before you start to get that guaranteed return aspect of it. But that's kind of going also into the flexibility of annuities now in the different structures and how all those riders tack on, you know, the fees. So let's talk a little bit about some of the, the fees that we might see with annuities and how that might play a role, you know, that income rider or, you know, the, the guaranteed rate of return fee or, you know, some of those 
major ones, the death benefit rider fee, those things that we might see, you know, they're, sure. they're advertised as, you know, it comes this way, but they really don't talk about the cost that you end up paying into that. It could be much more than what you'd be paying in, in the market, right? Yeah. Well, that, let's not forget that if the insurance company is going to offer it, um, you know, they're going to charge for it. And, and the insurance company is in the business of winning. Um, so it's always wins. Yeah. So, so, you know, you, you have to look at add-ons, the extras that have an extra fee and really ask yourself, are you going to use it? Like, like the biggest frustration I see when I do evaluations of people's investment portfolios and I see an annuity in there is they'll have an index annuity that for the last seven or eight years, because the cap rates were compressed and the account was only paying maybe 3% at the most in the last couple of years. And they bought an income rider that charges 1% a year. Um, and so what's happened is for the last five or six years, they've had an account that's really been earning maybe 2%, 3% at the most, while everything else, you know, their real estate, their stocks, their bonds, everything else has been doing significantly better. Um, and so what becomes frustrating is when you look at somebody's annuity statement and you look that in the year they earned, you know, on a $100,000 account, they earned 3%. So they made three grand. But then they had a rider fee of $1,000, so a third. So they made $3,000, but $1,000 went back to the annuity company for that income rider. And then I sit and I ask the class question to the client, well, do you need this income rider? Are you ever going to use this as a stream of income like a pension? And many times they go, no, I don't need it. I mean, uh, I, I got enough income right now. Um, and so in those circumstances, like, ah, geez, you know what? You're paying for a benefit you're never going to use. What, what do you, you know, you're in an account that's not performing all that great. And it's all, the, the design of annuities is they're always going to pay you basically one or 2% more than the bank is. The, 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 the annuity companies know their biggest competition is the bank. The annuity... The competition for the annuity is not the stock market or the bond market. The annuities are attracting conservative, concerned investors or uneducated investors. And so they're competing with the bank. They're not competing with the person who has money at Schwab and is paying attention to their trading and things like that. And so the insurance companies know that. So they, they only have to pay 1% or 2% better than the bank to beat the bank, um, and so then they end up charging another fee and, and you really don't end up beating the bank. Um, and if you don't utilize, if you're never going to use the benefit that you're paying for, then you've really got to evaluate, you know, cost effectiveness and, you know, do you really need it? Well, and it goes back to what you talked about before of, you know, if you, whenever you have an annuity, you should always be reevaluating your situation, your future situation, because that's always changing. And it's kind of one of the drawbacks of these is some things are hard, you know, to change. You can't just yeah. adapt an annuity. You're locked into what you potentially have done. And, and there's no shame. I mean, like I said, the annuities are great vehicles, great tools for certain circumstances, certain people. Like, like my grandmother my, on my mother's side is a perfect example. She, she never did anything other than savings accounts. 
She did not understand financial markets. She was very fearful of losing money because she was a she was a a, a depression era child, World War II. You know, she throughout her life, she only saw people lose when they talk, got took risk. So when she retired, she didn't understand how interest rates work and markets work or any of that stuff, and she was scared to lose. So she was a perfect candidate for for something that was a one or two percent better than the bank. And and she felt safe in because she was not of the personality or nor was her life in a situation where she needed seven, eight, nine, ten percent growth. Um, so that's where you really have to look at your personal situation and who you are and your psychology and and then look at the investment products. And and if you own an annuity right now that you're not happy with, no shame in that. Yeah. The first thing to realize is that annuities are sold. Like nobody wakes up in the morning. You know, nobody wakes up in the morning and pours a cup of coffee and goes, oh, geez, you know what? Today feels like a day I want to buy an annuity. I can't wait. I'm going to call that insurance guy that I've been running away from for a year and actually tell him I'm going to buy an annuity. That that doesn't happen, right? And it, somebody and it, has to show up. Somebody has to show up to your house, or you got to show up to somebody's office, and they got to pitch you on an annuity. Nobody says I want to buy that. It's not, it's not a red Corvette. And it's exactly why we're doing this because that's what's going to start happening. The the rates, the yeah. quality of you know rates are increasing. The the volatility, so that guaranteed aspect is going to hook a lot of people, and we're trying to avoid that mistake of people that don't necessarily need it. And it, it's if you're a consumer, you just got to ask questions and think logically. Like if you sit down across from somebody and somebody's pitching you, whatever it is, if it's a mutual fund, it's an exchange traded fund, it's a fee based account, it's an annuity, it's a life insurance policy. The first question you should ask them is, hey, is this all you do? Like if you're sitting across the table from somebody and all they do is sell annuities, they, they have no other skill set, they have another, no other tool in their toolbox then most likely for that particular person, like if you show up to somebody's house and the only thing you got in your toolbox is a hammer, well, everything's going to start looking like a nail, right? And so, so that's as a consumer, you've got to ask the people that you're working with, how deep is your knowledge? I mean, is this the only thing you do or do you do other things? Because what you really want is somebody telling you what is best for you for your particular situation in the particular environment that you're in for the now and, you know, for the foreseeable future. Um, not just, Hey, buy this because it fixes all your problems. Cause there is not one investment that ever exists that fix all the problems. Yeah. And that's why we stress diversification, but that's, that's a good point because a lot of the people that do sell annuities, that is their only tool. That's their main objective is to sell those annuities. So. Yeah. Yeah. Which, uh, which, yeah, it, it is what it is. Just be a good consumer and ask questions. Briefly, I just want to touch on inflation because it's such a hot button item right now. What effect does inflation have on annuities that you would buy right now or they're coming due right now even? <sighs> yeah, I, you know, I've been thinking that through. It, it kind of re it depends on how hot inflation is, right? It, uh, if inflation runs at, you know, nine percent, eight, eight percent plus for multiple years. And I know that sounds ridiculous and I hope that never happens. But, you know, we have a pretty crazy projection on where oil prices can go. And if if oil prices go where we think they could go in the future, 
that means food prices and everything else are going to go with it. And you could have a pretty crazy inflationary couple of years in front of you. I hope it doesn't happen. But right now, you know, it seems possible, maybe even probable. Um, and so in that environment, if you're running at eight, nine, 10 percent rates of inflation and your fixed or index or whatever annuity you're in is earning five or six, which is a fair rate, but it's going to be way below the rate of inflation. And then if you are paying those fees for those other benefit riders and things like that, now you're even falling further behind in, in the rate of inflation. So when if you have inflation running at two, three percent, eh, okay, you know, that, that's we're not going to split hairs. Um, but at the rates inflation have ran this year, and if they continue even at the current pace of six, seven percent that we've seen in the last two or three months, um, then yeah, you as an investor really need to make sure that every ounce of your liquid capital is optimized and earning as much as it can. Um, and that's, you know, maybe, you know, earning four or 5% annuity may not be enough for somebody. It might be fine for somebody else, uh, but that, that would be my concern is that inflation could er erode your purchasing power if you're in too many things that aren't earning or yielding enough. Yeah. And there's a lot of people, pundits out there that are going to be saying that, you know, inflation is going to come down. The Fed wants to have inflation come down. So, you know, I, it, it's the one aspect I would say of an annuity right now, if you were to purchase one, that I wouldn't worry about as much as some of the other drawbacks that are associated with them. Because you know, over the yeah. long term of buying an annuity, I don't see inflation. Hopefully, like you said, you know, there's some charts out there that are saying higher, but hopefully it's not going to be that. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to watch where inflation is, just keep watching a, a barrel of oil. I mean, it. it you know, people, that's the gauge um, and because that's one of the big inputs into the economic numbers that go in there. And, you know, as oil prices rise, so does all shipping and everything else. And and so that I would tell you, that's, you know, that's where you focus. You know? Maybe somebody will come out with an annuity that's backed by energy companies and pays a higher <laughs> rate. Who knows? Well, ultimately, the, the most important outcome is that you reach your retirement goals. And on the surface, annuities may seem like a safe bet especially during times of market volatility. However, there's often significant drawbacks that aren't readily apparent to the average investor. So before committing yourself to an annuity, be sure that you ask questions, as Colby has stated many times, and understand all the details that are associated. Hopefully this was educational for everybody. Thank you for tuning in to Quiver Financial News and make sure that you subscribe so that you get notified for our next post. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Have a good one, Patrick. Not too bad.